0: tell my brothers to divide our with me. Jesus replied, "Friend, who may judge over you to decide such things as that." Then he said, "Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured boom. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, "What should I do?" I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, he said, "'That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. You are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a thing, a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. If God cares so much for the wonderful flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the pers- and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be.
1: I'm a J. R.R. Tolkien. I'm a J.R.R. Tolkien fan. And some of you have read the book. Some of you have seen the movies. In the book and in the movie The Hobbit, the dwarfs had built an underground kingdom. They were professional miners and they had gathered gold in abundance. It was hidden in their caves. Somewhere along the way, a terrible dragon came along and took over their gold, took over their cavern, and ruled for a generation. The story that you see in the movie is about smog. Now, Walter tried to get me to talk about smog instead of the, about manman, and I thought, Most people in the crowd are not going to know who Smog was. I'm just curious, how many of you know, if I'd said Smog, you would have known who that was? Okay, half the crowd, maybe a little less than half. Why did I tell that? The the reason is, a part of the story that you may not have recognized in its importance is that when the dwarfs came back and took over their cavern and recovered the gold, they slowly found out that the dragon was not the greatest enemy in the cave. It was the gold. Because when they got the gold back, their personalities and their relationships began to change. Wealth and riches change people, and not for the better. We need to understand that. This series on Mammon is a Mean Master is not about giving. It is about the danger of focusing on your possessions. And Aaron was right. Churches get a bad reputation because they ask for money. Actually, we just encourage you to do what you ought to do with your money. Jesus had more to say in the New Testament about money than it did about heaven, than he did about prayer, than he did about just about anything else. And the reason that he did that is because your heart is connected. You've heard me say this before. Your heart is connected to your wallet. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. Where your heart is, is, will govern how you manage your possessions and your treasures. The key to this whole series is in this verse. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. Too many people have chosen to serve their possessions, to be owned by their possessions. Rather than possessing things, they have become a thing possessed by the things that they own. The, the things they own now owns them. Who are you serving do you worry about finances? Do you know that the counselors say that the number one issue that married couples argue about is money? Can you identify with that? Money issues are responsible for the breakup of far too many marriages, and far too many of us are serving mammon rather than, or at least in addition to, serving God. Now, what Jesus said is you really can't do both. You can't really serve God if mammon, that is wealth, possession, money, is your master. Is mammon your master? That's the first of the series because we need an attitude adjustment. By the way, in the passage today that Chris read, Chris, I was tempted to title the sermon, you need an attitude adjustment. Yeah. Brenda was on the phone one day. I had called Joe Morrell, great friend of mine, pastor, senior pastor now at Flatwoods in Mountain View. I had called him, we discussed the seminar and other things. And a little bit later the the phone rang and he had called Brenda instead of calling me. The thing is, he pocket-dialed Brenda and didn't know that she was on the other end. She answered and said, hello, and she heard Joe's voice. She's saying, Joe, Joe, Joe. Couldn't make him hear her. And so she realized, oh, he's having a meeting with somebody in his office. And about the time she realized what was going on, Joe said to the guy, well, you just need an attitude adjustment. So Brenda called him back later and says, What do you mean I need an attitude adjustment? (laughs) Well, that's really in the story, Todd, of uh, of this rich fool. Uh, God called him a fool. I didn't. God did. But in the story of this rich fool, that's what Jesus was saying about him. You need an attitude adjustment. Sometimes we need an attitude adjustment because mammon has become our master. So, is, is mammon your master? I want to talk with you about three things. To keep mammon from being your master, you have to avoid the foolishness of a misspent life. What, what are you talking about the foolishness of a misspent life, he says, "Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions." That is the attitude adjustment that I'm talking about. He said to them, "In the foolishness of a misspent life, and how to avoid that." If you look at the guy, his focus was was a foolish focus because he was focusing on his possessions and his wealth, and he was not thinking about things that were, that were important. He said, I, say, I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That is the attitude today. People deny the existence of God, and they do not think about The future. Um, We, you've heard the saying, he who dies with the most toys wins. That is a terrible hedonistic attitude. The trouble is, we got to keep up with the Joneses. And Charlotte, I read somebody said this week, it's really hard to keep up with the Joneses when they keep buying things that I can't afford. (laughs) He who dies with the most toys wins if you have that attitude number one you'll always be in debt never get out of debt and then you will come to the end of life and find out that you've got barns full of stuff that you have no need for and people hold on to their stuff and can't move out of a house that's falling down around them we have hoarders who you can't even get through their houses because of all the stuff that they're surrounded by and they truly are owned by the stuff, by their possessions. Jesus said one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I want you to notice the problem with that wrong focus, that foolish focus. There was no gratitude. Listen, Everything we have has come from the hand of God. Eric, even the, the air that we breathe, we would not have no air to breathe if it were not from God. Everything we eat, everything we possess, the job we have, the money we earn, it all it has all come from the hand of God, and we need to be careful that we don't become ungrateful. We need to express gratitude from God. He had no gratitude. He had no thought of others. There was no sharing or even selling. You say, I thought he was supposed to give it away. Proverbs 11:26, 26, if I can find it in my notes, uh, says, people curse the one who hoards Grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell it. You remember in uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, the Christmas Carol, that Ebenezer Scrooge refused to sell the grain he was holding. People tried to tell him, You're hurting the poor. It's a blessing when you're willing to sell your stuff to people who really need it instead of holding on to it selfishly just because you like to touch it and you like to see it. This guy, Charles wouldn't even sell the grain that he had at a decent price because he wanted to keep it for himself. He said, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Beware that you do not become possessed by your own possessions because mammon is a mean and cruel master the second thing about that misspent life his future was insecure but God said to him fool this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared whose will they be now he had great plans I'm gonna build, I'm gonna tear down my current barns because they're not big enough to handle my largesse. I'm gonna tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and then I'm just going to celebrate for the rest of my life. By the way, he did celebrate for the rest of his life, but it was one day. It was one day. He left God out, he had no thoughts. Of his future. His future was insecure. I started to use instead of talking about smog, smog? Is that how you pronounce it, Kelly? I don't know. I started to talk about the rich young ruler. Do you remember that there was a rich young man who came to Jesus? And Karen, the Bible says he came running up to Jesus. I think he ran up. Uh, Cynthia, with a smile on his face, he said, I got this. He said, Good master, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think he smiled. Kimmy had this in hand. Jesus said, What are the commandments saying? And he repeated, You know, obey your father, mother, don't lie, don't chill, don't. He said, I've kept those all my life. Jesus said, One thing you lack go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. Lanny, does that mean that you have to sell everything you have if you're going to follow Jesus? No, but I suggest you give it to Him that you don't hold on to it, that you are not governed by it. The thing is, Adam, he looked at the young man and he knew he had a problem. He saw his heart And he knew that he was serving mammon. And the same guy, Casey, that came running up to him with a smile on his face. The Bible says that he disheartened by the saying, He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He ran up to him, Jonathan, but he walked away slow. Very disappointed. No plans for the future. His possessions were were more important to him than eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he went away disappointed. Do you think it might be possible for someone to allow mammon to keep them out of heaven? That young man did. He went away sorrowful, spent the rest of his life that way. Listen, we're all going to die all of us, unless Jesus comes, catches us away, be sure that you, and I have to throw this in too, and your children are prepared for eternity. Are you? Are you ready to meet Jesus the way you are right now? Are your children saved, ready to meet Jesus, prepared for eternity? Are you and your family together in the Lord and in the church? Listen, I'm not just talking about attending church. Have you given your heart? Have you given your soul? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Salvation, is it just means, and I don't mean a heart transplant that you rip your heart out of your chest. But that is the idea that you give up who you are for Christ's sake, you hand him your heart, your soul, your very being to be prepared for eternity. I want you to notice how, why his life was considered foolish. Why, why God called him a fool. Because in the end, his fortune would belong to others. So God said to him, fool, this night, this very night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? be then recently read a story about a rich man who thought he could figure out a way to take it with him now Ellis, i used to say there are no hearses no trailers behind hearses but i saw one in north little rock arkansas i can never use that again i'm serious as a train wreck it was a hearse pulling a trailer now what that means i don't know but i joe there goes that illustration But I read about a rich man who was convinced that he could take it with him. And he filled a bag with hundred dollar bills. A bag full. Gave them to his wife and said, hang it from the attic. From a rafter. And when I die, when I go up, I'll grab it as I pass by. When he died. His wife climbed the stairs into the attic, and the bag was still there. And Tracy, she said, I knew I should have put it in the basement. (laughs) You can't take it with you. Charles Swindoll has said, we're not ready to live until we're ready to die. We need to talk with our children about death is coming one day. One day my body will quit working and my life force, my soul will leave this body. And then where will I be? Where will you be? We need to also, if if we're going to make sure that mammon is not our master, We need to realize the worthlessness of worry. I think it's unique. I think it's great that that Jesus combined these two thoughts. uh, That your life does not consist of the things that you possess, which really means don't be possessed by the things that you have. Don't be owned by your possessions. I want you to notice that in his teaching to to avoid that, in understanding that the worthlessness of worry, he says that worry is distracting. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I will tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Uh, I I read in studying the passage this week that that word anxious has the idea of being distracted. And Mary is an example of that. The word is used again. But the Lord answered, uh, I said, Mary, Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious about and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We are distracted by anxiety about things that don't really matter, that are not really important. And the trouble is, we may be distracted by our job, by our money, our house, our clothes, our jewelry, just... I had to end the list because I would have been preaching about me somewhere along the way, you know. And, and I, I don't like to do that. Just sum it up. Our possessions. We are so distracted with our possessions and taking care of them, worrying about them, that we are distracted from the person and the presence of God. Martha had Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in her house. And she was worried more about whether the biscuits would burn than she was at sitting down at the feet of the Lord. We can, without realizing it, focus so much on the stuff that we forget about the presence and the blessing and the power of God the person of God and the presence of God worry is distracting not only that but worry is ineffective and which of you by being anxious by worrying can add a single hour to his span of life if then you are not able to do a smaller thing as that why are you anxious about the rest I, I saw the cute video on Facebook. Try to avoid Facebook, but some of you won't let me. You keep tagging me. I saw the video of, of the little boy who was hunkered down in his bedroom. Five years old. Hunkered down and, and straining on his face. And immediately you're thinking what he's doing. That's, that's what his mother thought. What are you doing? And... He quit straining just long enough to say, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to grow. Well, good luck with that. That's, that's, Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? I, Gail, I hate to keep picking on you, but I've strained real hard to get my hair to grow back. Say, so how's that working for you? You, can add, you cannot add an inch to your stature. If I could, I'd be six foot five. Um, somewhat short of that, you might recognize. You cannot add even one minute to your life by worry. In fact, the truth is, you're probably subtracting days and hours and days and months and years from your life by worrying Worrying is ineffective. Listen, it's okay to pray. Prayer works, but worry does not work. First Peter five, seven says, Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not only is worthlessness, is worry worthless. It's also faithless. In Luke chapter 12, this story, the passage says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. No job. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed... Now, by the way, don't miss that. It was God who takes care of the lilies. It's God who feeds the birds of the air. And it is God who is really taking care of you. If God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O ye of little faith? Who's in charge of your life? You know, I told you last week, I think it was last week, that there was a time that I gave my family to God. I talked about going to Africa and hearing about those missionaries who were killed there, and it really got me upset. Joe, one of the parts of the story I didn't tell you is that when I was praying about that, God said to me, Who's taking care of them now? Who's taking care of them now? And he said, if you are, if it's you, they're already in trouble. And that's why I could give my family to God. Because I didn't want to be the one taking care of them. I wanted God to take care of them. Who's in charge of your life? If it's you, you're already in trouble. I'm here today preaching this whole message because I want you to let God take charge of your life. Let Him be the master of your life. Don't serve mammon. He's a mean master. Serve God. He loves you. He cares for you. Then finally... To keep mammon from being your master, you have to choose to make an eternal, an eternal investment. God is taking care of you, will take care of you, if you will let Him. And it says, God is pleased to provide. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to provide to give you the kingdom. Chris, when you read it in the NLT, that's the NIV. When you read it out of the NLT, I noticed that it said, makes Him happy. Makes Him happy to provide for you. Chris makes you happy to provide for your wife and kids, doesn't it? Men, there is satisfaction in taking care of our families. Amen? Can you say amen to that? We enjoy we do not begrudge the things that we do for our wives it makes us happy. We do not begrudge the things that we do for our children. It makes us happy. Listen, we have a heavenly father who loves to provide for us. Don't ever forget that. Don't worry whether He's going to provide for you or not, He will because that is His good pleasure. He loves to provide. He knows what you need, and He loves it when you trust Him, and He loves providing for you. And so He tells us, hold what you have loosely. You know, it says of Jesus that he did not consider his Godhead to be something to grasp tightly, he said he let it go. He held it loosely. He didn't hold it to himself. He laid it down. You need to hold what you have loosely. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. In everything I did... Paul said, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must be able to help the weak. Why do you work your job just so you can provide for yourself? I enjoyed being able to stand before you this morning and say, when we're talking about replacing the carpet and raising those funds, that's not all we're doing. We have an outreach to our community. And people in the church are giving toward that outreach. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we've, we've got all we need to finish that project. That's a blessing from God. Why do we work our jobs, David, not just so we can provide for ourselves, but so we can help others? We need to hold on to our possessions Loosely. I mean, if Susan, if we don't do that, then it's too easy for them to own us. I can't let go of these souvenirs. I can't let go of that treadmill that I have not been on in six years. I can't let go of... Why not? Give it to somebody who needs it or sell it cheaply to someone who needs it. Hold your stuff loosely so you can be generous you see what you give to god you keep but what you hold on to you lose that's what jesus said those who love their life in this world will lose it those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity instead invest in the eternal sell your position your possessions, and give to the poor, provide for yourselves, purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead by investing in God's Eternal kingdom. You see, this world and everything in it is temporary. Only a fool keeps all of his investments here. All of them here. Instead, make eternal investments, invest in God's kingdom. And then finally, the choice of an eternal investment, give your heart to God. He said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Aaron said it. He didn't know it was going to be in my sermon. But there it is. Some say that the church just wants your money. No, we want more than that. God wants your soul. He wants your heart. We represent Him. We want what He wants. We want you to be saved. We don't just want you to be saved. We want you to understand how to be good stewards of the things that God has given you to hold for him and for others. We want you to be set free from the slavery to mammon and instead be a bond servant. That is a voluntary servant to God. Give your heart to God because mammon is a mean master. Listen, if God required His soul of you this very moment, if, if the moment you walked out the door you died, where would you spend eternity? Have you prepared for your future where will you go if God required your soul of you the minute you walk out this door would you be able to say I've done everything that God has asked of me that's a lot harder isn't it I say where will you spend eternity you say well I'm I'm saved I'm not concerned about that I know where I'll go Well, what about while you're living here? Have you done everything that God has asked of you? And if you knew, listen to me, if you knew that the second you stepped out the church door, you would be called away in death, what would you wish you had done at the end of this service? What would you wish that you had taken care of that God has wanted you to do that you have not done? I'm not saying you're going to die immediately, but friend, you are going to die and you are going to stand before God. Who have you served and who are you serving now? What do you need to take care of? I want us to stand together. I want you to bow your heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would move by your Spirit and you would speak to hearts in a powerful, convicting way. If there is someone here who is lost, break their hearts, break their stubborn will, that they will come to you for salvation. If there is someone here who needs to be baptized, Lord, I know there are. And I pray that You would break their will. That they would realize that they are going to be accountable for you, to You for what they've done, what they're refusing to do. And I pray that they would give in today, that they would come. And Lord, I pray for the ones here today who are serving mammon. They know that mammon is a mean master. Because they're living in that misery. And I pray today that they would come to you and find freedom. By surrendering their whole life to you. I pray for those decisions in our church right now.